we must be a fellowship. You know, fellowship now has be, became, and for some some time, is where we get together and you know, we eat and have have coffee and talk, and everybody leaves. Said, man, that was fun. We had a good time. We ought to do that again. You know, nothing wrong with with that, but that's not the fellowship that we, uh, you know, have, especially. Uh, when we believe that we're living in the last days. So, in addition, we also understand that this fellowship must include a gap of love. You know, there are people that I know, you probably know, you know, in, in your life, you say, well, I'm fond of them. Well, that's a, a fellow love, you know, like I, you know, Dale's out there in Washington. You know, I've seen him a couple, three, four times, and I pray for him. You know, you know he's out there by, by himself in a home. So, you know, uh, but uh, I don't know him well enough to say that I've got an agape love. Probably should, but uh, I, I can't say that. But in addition, we also understand that this fellowship must include, as we said, a gap of love and charity. If you've got an gap of love, that is the strongest love that you can have for a person. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I told, uh, asked uh, Cajun's future husband, it was, he was, was talking, and he gets real nervous every, every time I ask him something because he doesn't know what I'm going to ask. But I said, do you love my granddaughter with a gap of love? He stared like a possum in the headlights. You know, he had no idea what I was talking about. But, you know, for a marriage to really work, uh, you've got to love your wife or husband much more than you do anybody else. And uh, I've got in trouble on that point ever since I've been in the ministry, you know, and probably some of you here, I won't ask you to raise hands, uh, but in my relationship since God saved me, it is the, the Lord first, the church second, the wife third, and the kids fourth, you know, and most people say, that's nuts. They don't tell me that, but, but if you study the family and the relationship, you know, to raise a family, you've got to uh, really love the Lord and realize that you need to attend a church which will teach your children. You know, that's why that everybody, Democrat or Republican, whatever you are, are you nothing? I don't get you, you blame nothing. You don't. Politics don't interest you at all. But if that's what's going on in our schools now, don't upset you. I worry about you. I mean, can you imagine what it's going to be if the Lord doesn't come back in 20 years? That group that is junior high now and, and fifth and sixth grade. I mean, in second and third grade, they already know more of, about electronics and things than their parents do. So we need to understand that uh, 
when we say that we love, I'm, I'm afraid that most of our love is just fond. I'm, I'm fond of my wife. I'm fond of my children, you know. But uh, when you love your children with an agape love, you want to protect them. And you can't protect them. Listen to me now. You can't protect them if you don't have no idea who their friends are, what they're doing when they leave the house. I'm not saying you've got to hire a National Guard, but, but, you know, I hear this from Baptists. I hear it from neighbors. Oh, my kid would never do that. Those are the kids that will do that. But in the book of Ephesians, you know, what is so important for us to start off on this study in forgiveness is that, you know, forgiveness in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, you know, uh, forgiveness is one of the most important elements of fellowship. So, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Now, I'll be quoting a lot of these scriptures, and I may leave out a word, or I may add a word, but you know, uh, you can say, well, the least is in the right book, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, Forgiveness is desirable in all relationships, especially within the local church. Forgiveness. It's a shame that we have brothers and sisters that we, in, you know, I hope they're not in this church, but, but I know churches that have people in the, that two or three families, they don't speak to each other. How can you worship? when you've got God's people and some of them are not even talking to, to the others. I realize there's people, some people are more just have to be friendly, you know, and, uh, and that's, but I mean, you know, never, would never mention. But forgiveness is a desirable in all relationships, especially a local church. This is honest truth. When we were down on 2nd Street, that little building down there, we had about eight or nine youth. You know where those eight or nine youth sit? Two of them are here. I guess. I remember when she says, like that. We, they sat right up on the front row. And when we would have a meeting, that was the most thing that people from other churches, how do you get your... Teenager to sit on the front row. I didn't do anything. I just said, you know, if you, you know, you, you're not as apt to talk. You're not as apt to pass notes. You're not as apt. Didn't have, you know, iPhones then, you know. But you know, visitors recognize that. God said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, you know, this is a, you know, everybody in here, you know, knows those verses. We have read them, memorized them. You know, we just, we just know them, man. But Ephesians, you know, 
By grace are we saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Out of works, least any man should boast. You can't boast. If, if, you, if you've got a relationship with the Lord tonight, you can't boast about you. It's all of God. Amen. Every good thing in me or you is from God. Amen. And if you say, well, I've been serving the, the Lord for all these years, you couldn't have done it if God wasn't in you, if the Holy Spirit wasn't in you. Because what we got to understand is saved people can lose their temper and act like a fool just like lost people can. And you'll do that if you're not walking in the Spirit. It don't mean you're lost. That means that you've let the body control your mind. And, uh, you know, you can't, uh, because when you start witnessing to somebody, they'll bring it up to you. You think I've forgot the time that you lost it and went, went off? They don't. They may f- forget the good things that you do, but they're not going to forget the ugly things that I do or you do. So we need to understand, for by grace are ye saved through faith. It is in how good you are, how bad you are, but it is through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. The faith I have is a gift of God. If I want more faith, you might say, well, I I need to start doing this, I need to start doing that. What you need to start doing is meditating. I haven't found very many Baptists. I don't know how to meditate. Sure you do. You know, a lot of people meditate right in church. And, and you know, if you don't control that meditation, what, what, what happens? You're sound asleep. Because that's what meditation is, is to get your mind off of everything onto your problem and asking God how to take care of it. But, uh, you know, it's like, Prayer. I don't ask anybody to do the way I do. Brother Bill didn't ask me to do it the way he did it. But I find out that my day is better if I start my day off with the Lord. It don't have to be a half hour of prayer, but I've got to start my day off with the Lord. Because he knows everything I'm going to face. I don't. So, when a church is unforgiving, the results is often a lack of spiritual growth. You notice the gravity placed on the virtue by the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at it in Matthew chapter 6. When we, when we look at Matthew chapter 6, we actually look at all, all of them, but in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, God said, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Is he saying if I don't forgive Joe, that God is not going to forgive me? Well, if I won't forgive him, that means there's something wrong with my relationship with God. 
When I forgive somebody, I'm not saying, you know, it was all right, I got all upset, you know. No. Jesus Christ forgave me. Did he carry it around? Did he hold, hold it against me? No, he didn't. That's hard, and I don't expect young Christians to be able to do it. It's hard. It doesn't even mean that, you know, I can, I'm taking a prime example, and, and I hope that she's listening. There isn't a chance in Blue Moon that this lady's listening, but, but I, was, I, I told my daughter in Lexington because she still talks to this person, and I said, won't you tell Becky what I preached last night and just ask her to listen to it a little bit? Will she listen? Of course she won't. Because I'm imperfect and she's perfect. Listen to that now. I'm not just throwing slang. When you are unable to forgive somebody, you're saying, I wouldn't do that. I'm not capable of doing that. Well, I may be a preacher, I may be a pastor, I may have been doing it for a long time. There's not a sin if I get out of the will of God that I'm not capable of doing. So that's why that I want to start that day off. You know, and if you're not careful, we, we find ourselves not forgiving people when in reality, different situations, the same sin that we do it, but our situation is different. Not really. Anytime you put anything before God, you're wrong, period. Still that lock, lock it up. God makes no mistakes. And God will never ask you to do something that you're not able to do. He would be an unjust God if he did. But, you know, God said in verse 15 of Matthew 6, you know, he also said, uh, uh, but if we, if we forgive not man their trespasses, come on now, read it, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. And some of that is hard. It's hard. When somebody has went out for an example and says, make up something on you, you know, talk about you unjustly, you know, that's hard for me. But if I'm not willing to forgive, now let me take the burden off of you a little bit. I believe if a person asks you to forgive them, you don't have no choice. If you don't, God's going to whip you to the woodshed and back. So most of the people that have mistreated me, I have forgiven them so I have my relationship with the Lord. But they don't know that I have forgiven because my understanding is they got to come to me. When is my sin forgiven in the sight of God? 
I'm talking about earthly now. We gotta come confessing our sins. You haven't told God a thing He doesn't know. But our responsibility when we ask somebody to forgive us, we're acknowledging I was wrong. And when you acknowledge you're wrong, you don't do it, you know, every other day. It keeps working on your mind. But when a church is unforgiving, the result is often lack of spiritual growth. You notice the gravity placed on the virtue of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You know, we just read that in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. Paul reiterated the teaching of Christ in Galatians 3.13 when he said, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. Forbearing. Let me give you an example. Can you think of anybody that, uh, you know, just really irritates you when they're around you? I can. But as a human being and as a child of God, I am to tolerate them. But if I'm going to have a birthday party, would they be invited? No, 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 no. And nobody else that I invited, they better not invite them. But I'm not going to let somebody else's sin cause me problems. Because the only way you deal with that without any problem, if it wasn't from the grace of God, I'd be him and he'd be me. That'll make you straighten up in a hurry. I'm telling you. Paul reiterated that, you know, he said, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against, even as Christ forgave you, you also need to forgive them. I think forgiveness is, is one of the keys to growing in grace and knowledge. And I think a lot of times you need to forgive yourself. Now, if you ever taken any classes in uh, psychology, that's one of the first things that you learn. You've got to forgive yourself. Some people have a hard time doing that. You know, many marriages break up. Because they will not forgive themselves. One of the hindrances to forgiveness is that Christians often do not understand repentance. Repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry. It's deeper than that. If I repent of lying to Steve Hampton, that I'm very careful that that never happens again. Because I'm asking him, will you forgive me? I'm admitting that I was wrong, so you want forgiveness. And when you forgive somebody, you don't bring that up ever since you did. 
I, I believe that one of the hindrances to forgiveness is that Christians often do not understand. Many times we hear the phrase, I see no evidence of repentance in that person's life. Do you know what, how a person thinks? Do you know that they may stay uh, awake at night thinking about, dreaming because of what they've done and can't figure out a way without you know, everything not working out? Perhaps we do not understand the word repent, but repent means to turn to turn away from. When individuals are in sin and they repent, they are actually turning away from that sin. And most teenagers, you know, my son was that way. He repented at least five times a week. The same thing. But I'm telling the truth this time, Dad. No, he wasn't. Because he had heard me preach. He had heard me counsel people. That's what people do. I'm doing what you told me to do. No. Repentance is not doing what I want you to do or somebody else that cares about you. You have seen that repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of action. Most people, when they repent, I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry you don't understand. First Corinthians chapter 5 tells a story, you know, it's, it's, it's told of the man who was having an adulterous relationship with his stepmother. In essence, Paul told the church that it is not grace or mercy to tolerate this sin. See, there's people said you can't get upset if somebody's doing that because only by the grace of God that you're not. I mean, if that's not first grade theology, I don't know what it is. If you love your children, if you love your church, you cannot tolerate that once you know it. Something got to be done. In essence, Paul told the church that it is not grace or mercy to tolerate this sin. But this man out of your assembly, and my paraphrase, the church obeyed. Then in 2 Corinthians, we see Paul telling the church to receive the man back into the church. The man had repented. Our church is this slack on that we're we want to you know that that person to repent and they want that person to but if that person comes back and says I'm sorry and you give them a time of showing that they really are you welcome them back in this church I mean I don't know about you I mean I certainly have done everything perfect in my life all I ask God, if I do something wrong and you show me, give me grace to go to that person, go before the church, go whatever I need to do. Because nothing is as important as your relationship with the one who's in control of the next breath you take. 
I mean, I want to be, I want to be on, on good terms with the one that determines whether I'm going to have another heartbeat or not. So if you, I'm, I'm, I know if you heard it, I have preached 1 Corinthians chapter 5, you know, and, and you see with the couple was lied about their, Church called one, he lied, and God struck him dead. Second, he struck him dead. Sometimes when Christians die, we said, you know, they they might have had a disease that we don't know about. Yeah, that disease was sin. I don't know who they are, and I don't go around picking them. But I'm I'm telling you. Christians who are blood-bought, I don't believe a blood-bought Christian, this is my opinion, backed up by the Bible, I don't think you can love Christ and not love the brethren. I don't think you can love Christ and not love your church. And when I say love the brethren, I don't care whether they're a lost man or a saved man. Don't lie to me. Amen? Don't lie to me. Because it takes a long time to trust that person again. So then in 2 Corinthians, you know, we see Paul telling the church to receive the man back into the church. That man had repented, yet there were those who thought he required, you know, more of that. He should do something else. He should never be able to go to church anymore. Uh, that's, a, that's a fine opinion, and you're, you certainly can have it, but you don't have no Bible to back you up. It's just what it is, an opinion. So we need to turn. Man had to turn from his sin. He has no longer lived in adultery with his stepmother. Usually people wanted to see strong, concentrated Christians living and witnessing as the evidence of re repentance. I told you I don't tell the names and the, and the thing both. You know, if you can figure it out, that's, that's your problem. But, I mean, I've had members come before the church on Sunday morning while committing adultery or fortification and go out Sunday afternoon and do the same thing. He said, what's the problem? i tell you what the problem is, salvation. We can do anything that a lost person can do, but we can't continue in it. Now, how long God's going to tolerate each individual? I have no control over that. But if I'm, I'm living in sin, I'm living on what my elders would have said, you borrowed time because God has given you time to repent and make it right or he's going to handle it himself. That's what church discipline is. That's why nobody wants to, you know, church discipline carried out properly will keep the church clean. Next paragraph down here when it said, another reason we often possess an unforgiving spirit is that we are self-centered, egotistical, and Christian. It's all about me, 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 me. 
And and it's not like small and kids are. I mean, they're just cute as a button, a little smile, a little curly hair, you know. Man, you just love them up, and they'll wrap you around their fingers. This child lines her age about as pretty as any little girl I've ever seen. Every time I, every time I go up, or you know what she does, can I sit in your lap, Peppa? Oh, I know it's coming. <laughs> no, it's coming. But that's such a nature. Yeah. And it's hard for us to think that that sweet little blonde-headed thing with, you know, cutest smile and pretty eyes, and they're an angel. Well, they're a fallen angel, if they are. You've got to teach them. You've got to discipline them. You know, you may have said something like, you're making a mountain out of a molehill, which may be a fair evaluation. However, if the same thing happened to you, then there would be a whole new perspective on the case. I told this story a few a few times, but we go down Pleasant Street, and, you know, and cross across the light, and on the left there used to be a liquor store, you know, and now it's just a blind, you know, it's a, a convenience store worthy junk place was and the, and the other place was a liquor store. I sat right over there filling my car up, seen the two young men go, go in there and get a chase of beer, put it in the boot of the car. And so I followed them and I said, boys, you know, open up that boot. There ain't nothing there. I said, then you wouldn't be no problem opening it up. So, you know, they open it up and you're sitting there looking at it and they said, how did that get there? By that time, you want to... I said, not only was did I see you put it in there, but we're going first to the police station. I'm not going. You can either go walking or you can go carrying, but yeah, you're going. So we went to the police station. I told them, well, what happened? I said, there's two things. I want the guy that's selling the liquor charged. There was weeks where both of them would say, how did they get there? You know, when you see something with your own eyes, and they know they done it because you're watching them, and they'll look at you. I don't, man. Only thing I, I don't know how I got there. Well, for they had thirty days to, you know, the I knew the police said the guys down there, so they said I think you taught them a lesson. I said, well. I don't know about the other boy, but my son ain't going to drive for a month. And he's not going to drive until he apologizes to me and apologizes to the law down there for lying to him. 
Well, that'll never happen, Dad. That's fine. But it did happen. Because he got tired of staying in his room for 30 days. You know, some people said, you were too hard on him. No, I probably wasn't hard enough. But see, lying is one of the worst things that you can do. Because when you lie and somebody finds out about it, you got to prove yourself to that person. And it don't happen overnight. Same thing when you walk down the aisle and say, God has saved me. And then your lifestyle doesn't change. Even the next day, you're right back doing the simple things you were doing. You're just a little more careful that nobody sees it. But God sees it. And nobody else in this, not, nobody in the church may believe it, but I believe it. I've preached it several times. If you're a Christian, and can a Christian drink? Yes. But if you go into that bar and sit down on that stool, you didn't leave Christ on the outside. The Holy Spirit went in there with you. It's facts. Because if you could drop him off while you went out and sinned, then you're being saved and lost and being saved and lost and being saved and lost. That Holy Spirit entered me 50-some years ago. He's never left me. That's why I don't do some of the things. He's there to teach me. That's why that we need to study the Bible. You can call it hard, you can call it what, but we need a breakdown study of what God is saying because we're going to give an account. I'm, I'm telling you, when you stand at the judgment seat of God and you say, well, I, I've been saved all these years, I've never heard that, then that tells me that you never read your Bible. Surely in 50 years you can read that Bible through. Amen. That's the unforgiving spirit. If you thought they overreacted and then you act the same way when you are wrong, you know, if you see it in the word of God where the people know that Christ knew what they're doing and they were just that bold face. I didn't do it. Third hindrance is to forgive is, is Satan himself. When there is a revival in the church and when there are souls being saved, Satan becomes angry and seeks to sow discord in the church. Don't let him, don't volunteer. Because if anything can happen, it will happen to keep your mind from coming to church and worshiping. You don't think it's an accident where all these things happen 15 minutes before you're supposed to be in church, do you? See, the devil is 
is testing me to see just what will it take for him to to do something he said he wouldn't do. Satan becomes angry and seeks to sow discord in the church. People often will say things that just pop into their mind if they had a mind. You ought to be careful, especially when you're talking about somebody. Make sure that it is facts. I don't know what a little cartoon thing it is, but I love it. But you can't say something nice, don't say nothing. Just don't say nothing. And lastly, although there are many hindrances to forgiveness, we have no greater example of forgiving a person than Jesus Christ our Lord as seen in 1 Peter chapter 2, 21 through 25. And we see as we look at this and our last scripture we'll look up. But 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 21. God said, For even hereunto were he called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. So, I mean, that little saying that they wore it out, but I still think it's a great saying. What would Jesus do? Under my circumstance, what would Jesus do? Because he's been tempted in every way. Maybe not since that very... Excellent, no, but he's been tempted any way that you to be tempted. And he never yelled. So God says there in verse 22, Who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judged righteously. Who his own self bared our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as a sheep going astray, but now return unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. You know what love is? I've, I've told this a few times, but I love it. You know, I love the cherry pie, you know. Mom would always bake those pies, he have all kids peace and she would have her peace because she had to eat and she said here here Tom you can have it and what she called me was Tom you know but that's love I mean we all had our own peace you know that's that's what God wants us to do is walk that second mile He'll bless you, and he'll teach that other person a lesson. At a very young age, I realized, you know, people say, silly. I realized how much my mom loved me. Think once again of the word fellowship. An unforgiving spirit is detrimental, opposed to fellowship. 
when we have an unforgiving spirit, we tear down one of the pillars of the local church, according to Acts 2.42, and that's the pillar or the power of fellowship. So is there someone who has wronged you or you holding a grudge? Somebody told me one, one, one time, said, Pastor, you're just too open. Yeah, I, I, I guess I probably am. But, uh, everything I think, God knows about it. Everything I do, God knows about it. So, you know, it's very little concern about what somebody else knows. Because most of the time, even if they know the truth, they're going to uh, change it just like people do the Bible, you know. I want to change it, add a little word, take a word out. <coughs> but if you love Jesus, you want to please your Savior. You, you want to. You may not do it very well, but you want to. Father, we thank you for this day.